0: Hey, everybody, it is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. This is episode 77, and today we're going to be looking at Addison's disease and Cushing's disease. So a few weeks back, in episodes 58 and 61, we looked at an endocrine disorder known as hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. You may also refer to those as Hashimoto's thyroiditis and Graves disease. So when I did those episodes separately, I realized it might have been a little bit more helpful to do them together. Because when I look at endocrine disorders, I really do find them helpful if I look at them in pairs when possible. So if there's a disease where The hyper causes a lot of problems as well as the hypo. I like to look at those together because often the symptoms will be kind of mirror opposites of one another. So that's how we're going to be doing it today when we're looking at Cushing's disease and Addison's disease. And before we get into that, I wanted to do a quick listener shout out to CoasterGirl199 who wrote this lovely review on the Apple Podcasts app saying, I love the Straight a Nursing Podcast because it really is life-saving. From literally giving me the knowledge to help save my future patients to saving me and my sanity through nursing school. I enjoy the variety of topics of both clinical episodes as well as personal well-being episodes and study tips. Really, this podcast is just one part of the wonderful straight-A nursing community. The book, Nursing School Thrive Guide, this podcast, the Nursing Planners, and even the Facebook group provide help and support through multiple avenues. If you are in nursing school and haven't joined the Facebook group, I highly recommend that as well. Nursemo has created a multifaceted space for nursing students who want to go above and beyond. Thank you. Well, Coaster Girl, I want to say thank you for that very thoughtful and sweet review. And yes, if you guys have not joined the Facebook group, come on over. I am always just so amazed and happy to see the incredible support that the students there provide to one another. It's just absolutely amazing. So head on over to Facebook and search for thriving nursing students, you do have to request to join because I want to just really keep the quality of the group really high. So you have to answer a couple questions, and then you'll get approved to be in the group. So come and do that. Okay, so let's get back to our topic. We're going to start with Addison's disease. You may also hear this referred to as adrenal insufficiency. So in this disorder, the patient is going to suffer from decreased cortisol levels and often decreased aldosterone levels as well. So remember that cortisol is a steroid hormone. You might call it the body's stress hormone. Aldosterone is a steroid as well. Its main role in the body is to maintain salt and water balance as a component of that blood pressure regulation. So when you think about the two hormones that are really affected in Addison's disease, cortisol and aldosterone, it can really help you think through what signs and symptoms the patient might display and how they could get into trouble if they don't have enough of these in their body. So there are two types of adrenal insufficiency. There's primary adrenal insufficiency and secondary adrenal insufficiency. So when we say a patient has primary adrenal insufficiency, this is occurring When that cortex of the adrenal gland itself is damaged, so it's not producing adequate hormones. So this can be due to something like an autoimmune disease, which is a really common reason for it to occur. It can happen because of tuberculosis, trauma, bleeding into the adrenal glands. Maybe the patient had to have their adrenal glands removed because they had cancer or they've had a bad infection. So that is primary adrenal insufficiency. Secondary adrenal insufficiency, that's going to be when there's problems with the pituitary gland, which, as you recall, is responsible for making and secreting ACTH. And as you recall, that is an acronym or rather an abbreviation for adrenocorticotropic hormone. Much easier to just say A-C-T-H. So this malfunction can occur for a lot of reasons. So it can be from a pituitary tumor, any trauma caused by maybe surgery or head traumas, or inflammation. It can also occur temporarily when patients who have been taking corticosteroids chronically suddenly stop taking them instead of tapering off slowly. So now that you've got a little bit of an overview of the adrenal insufficiency types, let's look at a patient with Addison's disease using the straight A nursing LATTE method, which I hope you guys know about by now. But if you don't, you'll get a great introduction to it here. So the L in LATTE method stands for how will the patient look. This isn't just what you see with your eyes. It's how they present when they come. Let's say they're coming into you as the nurse practitioner at the clinic, and this is how they will present what they'll complain of, what signs and symptoms they'll be exhibiting. So the patient will likely be very thin, complain of decreased appetite, nausea, vomiting, losing weight. She might complain of feeling really fatigued, maybe even depressed. You could notice darkened areas of the skin. This occurs mostly with primary adrenal insufficiency called hyperpigmentation and losses of body hair. The patient might complain of joint pain, maybe also some abdominal pain. She could be irritable. She could complain of a decreased libido. She may also have low blood sugar and low blood pressure. So one of the hallmark symptoms is that this patient may state they just can't get enough salty foods and snacks. They're constantly craving salt. So again, thinking back to the hormones that are affected, that aldosterone, which plays a role in salt and water balance in the body... They have low sodium levels, so they're craving salt. They don't have proper salt and water balance, so their blood pressure regulation is off, so they're hypotensive, okay? So now let's look at the A in the latte method. A is how will you assess this patient? So basically, you're going to be looking at this patient and assessing, following up on any of the complaints that they have. You definitely want to get a blood pressure because these patients, like I said, can be hypotensive. You would like to get a blood sugar level because they can be hypoglycemic. You'll want to assess her level of pain if she's having, you know, joint pain or abdominal pain. Look at the abdomen, palpate the abdomen, see if you can locate a, a reason for the abdominal pain, because I'm telling you, abdominal pain is one of those things that's really hard to pinpoint what's causing it. So a lot of investigation may have to be done there. You want to determine how fatigued she is. Is she depressed? What is her level of depression? All of those types of things, uh, maybe um, looking at her skin and assessing for that hyperpigmentation, Um, Asking her about her dietary habits and things like that, her weight loss, etc. The T in latte method, the first T stands for tests. What tests can be done for a patient who you either suspect has Addison's disease? Or who has Addison's disease and you're following it up. So you want to know what test the MD is likely to order, or if you're the nurse practitioner, what tests you're going to be ordering. So often uh, the one of the first things that will be done is a blood test that will assess the level of that ACTH. You'll also get chemistries to tell you what the sodium, potassium levels are, what their cortisol level it is, and if they have antibodies associated with that autoimmune Addison's disease in their Blood. Another test is called the ACTH stimulation test. So, in this test, the patient's cortisol level is tested at baseline, and then the patient is given an injection of synthetic ACTH, and the cortisol level is tested again. So ACTH stimulates those adrenal glands to produce cortisol. So in a normal healthy person, the normal reaction is for that cortisol level to go up after that ACTH injection. If it doesn't, then this is a positive result for the patient having Addison's disease and those adrenal glands just not working properly. Another test that could be done is called an insulin tolerance test. So this is kind of a high, I would say this is more of a high risky test. Typically, it's only done by endocrinologists, and you'll see why in just a moment. So in a healthy person with healthy adrenal glands, cortisol is released when the body goes into hypoglycemia. So in this test, the patient is given insulin to induce hypoglycemia. So you can see why this could be kind of a high-risk examination, high-risk test. So cortisol levels are checked prior to the patient getting the insulin and again after getting the insulin to see if it caused the body to release extra cortisol. If it does not, this is a sign of Addison's disease. Again, very uh, potentially dangerous, typically only done by endocrinologists, and it would be avoided in people who have very low baseline cortisol, as that hypoglycemia could trigger them going into what's called an Addisonian crisis, which is a seriously bad complication of Addison's disease, which we'll talk about more in just a moment. Another test could be a fasting blood glucose test to just assess to see if they are hypoglycemic. So another test is the CRH stimulation test. So to understand this test, you have to really remember the hormone pathway of what triggers what. So the corticotropin-releasing hormone, CRH, is what triggers that pituitary gland to secrete ACTH. So corticotropin-releasing hormone triggers the pituitary gland to secrete ACTH, which is the hormone that makes those adrenal glands secrete cortisol. So in this test, you're going to check cortisol level and then inject the patient with synthetic corticotropin releasing hormone. Then we recheck the cortisol level about every 30 minutes to see if it goes up. So this test is used to determine If that adrenal insufficiency is primary or secondary, and remember, if it's a pituitary problem, then it's going to be considered secondary, and if it's a problem with the adrenal glands themselves, it will be considered primary adrenal insufficiency. Another test that could be done is a CT scan, which would look at the adrenal glands, assess the size of them, see if there's any inflammation going on, see if they have atrophied and are just not functioning because they have basically shriveled up and they're no longer viable. Also, an MRI to assess the pituitary gland if secondary adrenal insufficiency is suspected. So the second tea in latte is what treatments will be provided to the patient. So patients with adrenal insufficiency basically need hormone replacement therapy. So this includes hydrocortisone, methylprednisolone, dexamethasone, prednisone. These are all considered replacements for cortisol. Uh, fludrocortisone acetate is taken to replace aldosterone if the patient has deficiencies in that as well. I would say probably the most common would be prednisone um, that patients take, you know, chronically as an outpatient. And then the E in latte is how do you educate the patient and the family? So the first thing you want to make sure is that your patient doesn't become hyponitremic. So that can occur because of that aldosterone insufficiency. So you will want to teach them that they need to eat a fair amount of salt. This will help balance out their salt water in their body and keep their blood pressure stabilized. They need to especially pay attention to their salt intake when it's hot out, they're sweating a lot, they're exercising, or if they're losing a lot of sodium because they're having bouts of diarrhea. So they really need to pay attention and eat a fair amount of salt. And that's because of the aldosterone insufficiency. The patient should also be instructed to carry a medical alert card, bracelet, something to let first responders or other people know that they have this very serious condition that can be fatal if untreated. The patient should be advised to always have plenty of their medication on hand as running out would be extremely, extremely harmful for them. So they need to plan ahead and make sure that they don't ever run out of their medication. They also need to carry an emergency kit that contains a steroid injection. And it's very important that they know how to use it. Equally, maybe even more important that others know how to use it because the patient may be so sick that they are unconscious and someone else will need to administer that injection. The patient May need to increase their medication dosage, so you need to make sure that they understand when and how, and that would be during times of stress, like when they're ill, when they're going through a crisis of some kind, have suffered an injury, or maybe they're running a marathon or something. So they may need to increase their medication dosage during times of high stress. And then we want the patient to understand the signs of adrenal crisis, Maybe you've also heard it referred to as Addisonian crisis. So this happens when the body's demand for cortisol basically just exceeds its supply of cortisol. It's completely depleted. So again, this can occur during times of stress, injury, illness, physical exertion, infection, any of those things that would cause the body to use up its stress hormone. So this is a life threatening condition that results in severe hypotension, severe hypoglycemia and hyperkalemia. Some of the signs would be nausea and vomiting, abdominal pain, confusion, maybe they have chills, a fever, their blood pressure is really low, they're very weak, they're dizzy, they could have a headache, they could even be fainting, having syncopal episodes and tachycardia. So if they experience these symptoms, They are to seek emergent medical care right now. And if they carry that emergency kit with that dexamethasone, that steroid injection in it, they really need to understand that this would be a time to use it and that their family members understand that as well. Okay, so that's Addison's disease, which is insufficiency of hormone Now we'll look at Cushing's disease, which is about having an excess of cortisol hormone. So you may also hear it called hypercortisolism for that reason. And Cushing's disease can be caused by very long-term use of corticosteroids as well as physiologic disorders, like maybe the patient has an adrenal gland disease, maybe they have a pituitary tumor that caused too much ACTH to be released, which would make the adrenal glands then produce and secrete excess cortisol... Some patients have tumors that secrete ACTH, and note that these tumors are often found um, elsewhere in the body, like the lungs, the pancreas, the thyroid, the thymus. We call this ectopic ACTH syndrome when this occurs. And then they may have something called familial Cushing syndrome, which causes tumors to develop on the adrenal glands themselves. So you can have tumors on the adrenal glands, or you can have these ectopic tumors secreting ACTH from like the lungs or the thyroid gland. So if Cushing's disease is not treated, it can lead to a lot of problems for your patients, more like the chronic problems, whereas The Addison's disease, if left untreated, can cause that severe crisis. Cushing's problems tend to be a little bit more on the chronic side. So that would be infections that just don't heal, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and bone loss. So we're going to go through Cushing's disease using the latte method as well. So you can really see how these two opposing conditions compare one with the other. So how will the patient with Cushing's disease look? So the patient with Cushing's disease is probably going to be carrying excess weight in their trunk yet have thin arms and legs. There's the fat redistribution in these patients. They may have a rounded face, also called a moon face, and a fat pad at the base of their neck, which is often referred to as a buffalo hump. So their cheeks could be red. They probably have thin skin that bruises easily and heals very slowly. Again, that's another reason those chronic infections can occur. The patient could likely also have hypertension, type 2 diabetes mellitus as well. You could notice stretch marks at the abdomen and the breasts. Also, patients with Cushing's disease Often state that they are feeling very weak, feeling very fatigued, they're depressed, they have joint pain, they've got headaches, maybe they're having uh, like a brain fog, cognitive difficulties. Women could have irregular periods and excess body hair, while men will often complain of erectile dysfunction and decreased libido. So that's kind of an overview of how the Cushing patient looks. Um, The key takeaways are that. The excess weight in the trunk with the thin arms and legs, that rounded face, the buffalo hump, the thin skin that bruises easily, and um, the type 2 diabetes and the high blood pressure. Those are probably the things, oh, and the the excess body hair. Those are probably like the key things that you'll see on your exams, but just kind of pay attention to the whole picture as well. So how are you going to assess a patient with Cushing's? So you want to get a blood pressure because they could be hypertensive. You want to make sure that that's under control. You want to look at their current corticosteroid regimen because a lot of times the cause of the Cushing's disease is just that chronic use of the corticosteroids. You want to see what they're taking, how long they've been taking it, uh, because there may be other options available for them. A bone scan could be done to test for osteoporosis, though technically I should put that down under tests. Um, You could assess the patient for frequent fractures maybe and ask them if they've been having, you know, have they fallen down and broken a hip lately, something like that, just to determine if their bones may be a little bit more on the fragile side, you would look for any wounds for any signs of infection, you would assess their level of fatigue and monitor their level of depression as well, because that's incredibly important. So what tests will be ordered for a patient with Cushing's disease? Okay, so under tests, let's put the bone scan for osteoporosis here. You want to see if they're losing bone mass and track how that progresses over time because there will be treatments provided for that osteoporosis if it is present. Usually that's called a DEXA scan for the osteoporosis. You also want to take uh, blood tests, urine tests, or saliva tests to look at that cortisol level. So blood tests are typically done twice in the same day because cortisol levels will change frequently throughout the day. So you would want to get more than one measurement in one day to get a real feel for where the patient is. If they're doing a urine test, that's typically a 24-hour collection. So the patient has to collect their urine for whole 24 hours and then bring it back into the lab. And then the saliva test is done at night. This is typically when cortisol levels are at their lowest, kind of like 11-ish to midnight-ish. So if the level is high during that time period when it should be on its lower side, this is a sign that the patient probably has some Cushing's. You would also want to check their blood glucose level because that hyperglycemia is so common. And then CT or MRI can assess the adrenal glands in the pituitary, just like we did with the Addison's disease. And then there's a test called scintigraphy. It's used to identify ACTH secreting tumors. So those are those tumors that are located either not only adrenals or the pituitary gland, like I said, it could be lungs, uh, thymus, thyroid, there were a few others. This test involves an imaging study conducted after the patient's given an injection of a radioactive substance, so then the cameras can really see where that radioactive substance collects at the tumor site and identify where that tumor is located, because they can be difficult to find. A petrosal sinus test will measure levels of ACTH from the petrosal sinuses, and these are are veins that drain the pituitary gland itself. And then we compare that level against blood taken farther away from a vein, like in the arm, for instance. And we want to compare the levels of ACTH between those two. Another test is called a high-dose dexamethasone suppression test. So the patient is injected with high dose of dexamethasone, which is a steroid, and this usually suppresses ACTH production by pituitary tumors. If the levels do not decrease, it is suspected that the root cause of that tumor is not associated with the pituitary gland itself. So a lot of different tests for the Cushing's disease. Like I said, the most common reason is going to be because they've chronically been taking corticosteroids. But if they haven't, there's a lot of investigation that needs to occur. So those are the things that you can anticipate being ordered for your patient. And then what treatments will be given? This is the second T in the LATTE acronym. How do we treat this patient? So because so many patients with Cushing's syndrome have it because of their corticosteroid use, that first treatment could be uh, seeing if their regimen can be uh, decreased or replaced with some other medication. So if the patient's been taking long-term steroids, they absolutely cannot stop taking them abruptly. If they do that, they could go into an Addisonian crisis. So they need to taper slowly so that the body can adjust and get used to doing those hormone pathways on its own without that excess cortisol being added to the picture. There are several medications that control cortisol production at the adrenal gland Level and there's a combination drug for people who have both Cushing's and type 2 diabetes. And that I'm going to mess, mispronounce it, but it's Mifepristone. mefepristone, eh, something like that. So you just know that that is available, it's a drug for people who have Cushing's and type 2 diabetes. And then one of the newest medications on the market is called Signifor, that's the brand name. And I chose to say the brand name because I'm going to mess up the generic. I'll try and this drug targets the pituitary tumor when surgery does not either fix it or is not an option for the patient. So a few different medication treatments available there. If the patient has an ACTH secreting tumor, maybe surgery can take care of that. They may need radiation on top of that as well. After this tumor is removed, the patient may need to take corticosteroids as the body adjusts and returns back to that normal adrenal function. And then if all else fails, the patient may need to undergo a bilateral adrenal basically removing the adrenal glands. And this is going to now cause the patient to be completely deficient in cortisol. And now they have Addison's disease and they will be dependent on replacement for the remainder of their life. So the E in latte is education. How will you educate the patient and the family? So you want to teach the patient that um, they may need to take medication for life. They need to understand that what if their root cause is treated, their symptoms can resolve, but it may take two months, it may take a year, it may take a while, and they will probably be taking medication during this time. Cushing's is going to also put the patient at risk for bone loss, like we talked about. So they need to be instructed to do whatever they can, lifestyle modifications to preserve bone, which would be weight-bearing exercise. Water aerobics is an excellent opportunity to do weight-bearing exercise that is also very safe and less injury-prone than, say, like, you know, doing heavy squats at the gym and getting adequate calcium. This would be maybe calcium supplement and calcium through their diet. And then if the patient has hirsutism, which is that excess body hair, options for this include creams, there's chemical hair removals, there's bleaching, there's waxing, there's electrolysis, there's laser hair removal. There's a lot of different options for people who have the hirsutism. And it's more troubling for the, for the ladies. Um, the men may or may not feel the need to go through all of uh, the hair removal options but the ladies most likely will want to explore those and then general education about the management of type 2 diabetes if they have it they need to be you know checking their blood sugars know how to manage their insulin dosage uh, know their dietary modifications or lifestyle modifications all of the things that come with type 2 diabetes and then home remedies for the joint pain that often accompanies Cushing disease such as gentle exercise and uh, NSAIDs, so those anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen. We don't want to give them more uh, corticosteroids to decrease the inflammation. We want them to maybe not take as many corticosteroids because it's just kind of a cyclical problem. All right, we're going to compare and contrast really quickly because I really like looking at these kinds of conditions one against the other. So Addison's versus Cushing's. In Addison's, there's too little cortisol. In Cushing's, there's too much cortisol. Also in Addison's, there's that aldosterone deficiency as well. But just looking at the direct comparisons, Addison's too little cortisol, Cushing's too much. In Addison's, the patient will be thin. In Cushing's, they will have excess adipose tissue at the trunk, upper back, face, but have thin arms and legs. In Addison's, there's a loss of body hair. In Cushing's, there's too much body hair. In Addison's, blood sugars are low. In Cushing's, blood sugars are high. In Addison's disease, the patient is hypotensive. In Cushing's, they're typically hypertensive. So I hope that gives you guys a nice overview of an endocrine disorder. I know endocrine disorders can be very tricky, and a lot of patients struggle here. So I wanted to just try to make it as simple as possible for you. And then I wanted to make a quick announcement that Crucial Concepts Boot Camp will be opening for enrollment December 9th. So... What you can do so you don't forget is you can get on the wait list. And I will email you on December 9th and say, hey, the cart's open, come enroll. So if you want to get on that wait list, or if you just want to check it out and see what is this Crucial Concepts boot camp that she's talking about, go to my website at straightanursingstudent.com. And in the top navigation bar, you'll see Bootcamp. Click on that. It will take you to a page with all the information and the sign up form if you want to be alerted on December 9th. And I promise that will not add you to a whole bunch of emails. I will send you that one email about the cart opening. Um, But I won't send you my weekly emails about all the stuff happening on the website and the blog. If you want that, there's another form to sign up for if you want that that kind of email. And then the planners are out and available and they're amazing. I think I talked about it on the last episode or maybe the one before. They are on Etsy. So if you just want to go to my website, straightanursingstudent.com, click on planners. I believe that's also in the main navigation and then it will take you right to the shop where you can get one of those. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, these are planners just for nursing students, and they're amazing. So I hope that helps you guys next week, we'll be talking about beta blockers. I know a lot of people have trouble with pharmacology. So we're doing a lot more pharmacology these days. And beta blockers are one of the most common medications that you'll be using in clinicals and see on your exams. So we're going to take kind of a deep dive into what they are, why they work, how they work. It's really interesting. So make sure you check back here. next. Next week for that. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.